Welcome to the Coffee with COVID-19 podcast. My name is Patrick Rolf, and this is an ongoing media project where we use conversations with some of the leading entrepreneurs and thinkers within the coffee industry to try to understand a sustainable way to living together with our new reality, COVID-19. Welcome to another episode of Coffee with COVID-19, a podcast where we're trying to understand what's currently going on in the coffee industry and give all of you guys listening a bit of foundation um, in terms of how different professionals have been handling this. Now with us from the UK today is Maxwell. Um, how are you, man? Yeah, I'm pretty good. I, I can't complain. Uh, I feel... You know, considering everything, uh, I, I feel quite um, grateful, to be honest, that uh, we're in, a, in, a, in an okay place, for sure. Okay. I think you're the first one in this podcast series that I've started with that, which is really great to hear, right? And I think the, the more episodes I do, the more I understand how, how really diverse this has been and how differently oh, it has yeah. affected different companies, right? I mean, it's not just, com- it's the same story for companies that it is for people, right? Which is... A huge event happens and a, a specific moment in time and based on where you are there's a huge element of luck like where where were you where was your business where's where are you at in your life when something like this hits uh, and you just see complete extremes you know positive stories and incredibly negative stories and uh, yeah it's just um it, it's it's a, it's a big blast isn't it it's sort of an explosion and uh, mm. So, so, and then obviously, yeah, you narrow down into one industry and start to try and find some trends. And there are plenty of trends, but even in coffee, it's, you know, good and bad for, for different people in different positions. Yeah, yeah for sure. It comes to show and it's, that's been a reoccurring thing in this podcast as well, where um, for lack of a better term, that the people and companies that had their shit together before this are way better off than the people that didn't, right? Um I want us to kind of start from the from the beginning, and it's interesting because you and me actually met at the Danish Coffee Festival earlier this year. I believe it was in February, where we actually had a bit of conversation about this, right? Um, and I think you were one of the first professionals that actually kind of accepted that something is going to happen. Like we don't know what, but it, but something is happening, right? Like. Where, where were your state of mind then? Uh, where were it when you uh, heard about this the first time as well? And how did you react? Yeah, I think um, that was the last uh, time I traveled and it was the last physical coffee event I attended. Um, I think, you know, I can't, you know, to go back now and say exactly what I was thinking. It definitely seemed uh, bad to me and it, it seemed bad, not because I necessarily thought based on what was what was happening in China at the time because that's that's what was happening right then right China had the lockdown at the time um I just didn't see how there wouldn't be big ramifications and I think at the time I was questioning like how big of an impact it would have actually on business and economies and stuff around the world um yeah so I I knew something was going to happen and we started planning early uh I can't say I knew exactly what was going to happen. And actually everything we did with our business was much more uh, negative from a forecasting point of view. We just assumed we were going to have to buckle down and it was, you know, just survive basically. 
Um, so yeah, I knew, knew something was happening and I, I couldn't really figure out exactly how it was going to hit coffee. I probably did expect the at home to boom as much as it did. Um, so we were just in a mindset of going, how can we be sustainable? How can we get through the next, you know, we didn't think it would be quick. We definitely early thought this will take months. Um, and, and I think the bigger side of it wasn't the short term. And this is still my question now is rather than planning and, you know, cause we, we were at a stage in our business where we've been doing lots of forecasts and, and, and plans and, you know, taking on some investment. And, and I just was like, well, that's, it should all go out the window. Anyone who's got a forecast now, <laughs> like you just don't know. So even we just planned for the unknown basically. And I think what you said before about having your shit together, it's, it's kind of true, but also in a way we were, you know, we, I felt like we didn't have our shit together and I felt like we were doing too many things uh, again and again. Anyone who would give me some business advice was like, you're not focused enough. You need to focus on one thing. And then this hits and that lack of focus, quote unquote, was a benefit. And I'm probably doing myself and the people I work with a disservice by saying lack of focus. I mean, we're, everything we do is in coffee and there's a thread to everything we do. It's sort of innovation based and quality based. But we were definitely doing a ton of different things and that actually helped us. And then watching other businesses pivot their strategy in COVID and still now to be more diverse. Um, I think we've, again, I feel lucky that we naturally had a diverse business that actually was seen as a negative and, and now is definitely a positive. Yeah. I think that's, that's a really interesting point and it's something that I personally um, at April have experienced as well. Like we launched a new product for the first time that been the April Brewer during this time. Um, and that's been so far uh, what is kind of holding us um, kind of still continue to, to reach our goal and we're, we're fairly stable, right? And I mean, when you look at Cologne as a company, you are extremely diverse, I would say. Some, some, some kind of pinnacle of diverse, right? Capsules obviously being one of the strong points, uh, but I mean, a fair amount of roasted coffee as well, obviously a shop, obviously peak water as well. Um, how has it been kind of navigating? Because I assume you've been treating all of these different products a bit differently now, right? Like, for example, has the, has the shop been able to do um, as well or what has that gone through in relationship to the roastery and the other side of the businesses right yeah it's funny I think um, a, a lot of a lot of how each business does was about support as well right from a you know a government point of view and it's different in different countries but the the shop although the shop is very dramatic right like it had to close with every other cafe in the UK that's actually was more positive because the government saying, yes, this is closed, forced them to create support, right? But the roastery had a tougher time because there was no support because it was still technically open and it wasn't categorized as a business that would get the same support. So, and then of course, it's to do with your landlords. You know, you know these things are very specific. You get very lenient landlords and you get landlords that are in a position where they can just, our, our shop landlord was amazing. She just said straight away, don't worry about it. We'll just figure it out as we go. But then, you know, other landlords, you know, they need the rent. It's like a set of dominoes, right? They need the rent from the client because they've got their own bills that they need to pay and everything. So I was most worried about the, um, the roastery. You know, the infrastructure is bigger. A roastery is uh, got way worse cash flow than a coffee shop. Um, it's, I think it's a harder thing to run. I think, I think a coffee shop, you can get it to, um, you can get to a decent revenue quite quickly. 
and the barrier to entry to, to, to a coffee shop is lower. But once you hit that barrier, you're there, right? The ceiling of a coffee shop, you filled all your seats, you've, you've communicated what you're doing, you've, you've resonated with customers and you're there. And that coffee shop in Bath is 11 years old now. Um, and a roastery is much harder to get going, I think, but obviously has a, a longer growth trajectory and can become something with momentum that has a, a much higher ceiling but it needs more investment and it has periods in its growth, you know, like roasters, for example, you know, you start with a small roaster and you get, uh, you know, I, it's very hard to make enough profit, a small one to then buy a bigger one without, you know, borrowing some money or having some investment. So I think roasteries are tough to grow. I think um, the coffee market as well, for me, wholesale coffee in the UK in specialty was, was getting very saturated before COVID. It was something I was having lots of conversations about, um, and I think the boom, you know, there was a time when you just, you know, you, you buy some nice coffee and you put some care and love in roasting it and present it nicely and you'll just grow, right? And, uh, you know, that market was getting saturated and, and I didn't, from an, you know, when you're in a business, it's, you know, it's, you see competitors and stuff and we're an interesting industry because we're all friends, but we're competitors in certain ways as well. So, um but I was looking at it objectively going, this doesn't, this is not an area you can grow right now. Like it depends what you mean by grow. You know, if you're happy to have an independent business and grow it 10% year on year, fine. Sure. You could probably do that, but it's not an area where you're going to see massive growth. Um, so I was unsure about that and the prices were going down and people were offering free equipment and training. And uh, I don't know if you know that, you know, obviously Italy has been through all of this before everyone else um, by doing espresso for, and cafes for a long, long time. And in Italy, they're like, okay, you can have coffee at X euros per kilo. And if you want a grinder and a machine and maintenance, it's three euros more. And if you want us to, uh, they'll even go to the point where if you want your whole cafe repainted every year, that can be part of the price per kilo. <laughs> so, amazing. but at least it makes sense, right? You're like, you know, as a roastery that all that stuff costs, right? The support, the training, the maintenance. Anyway, um, I sort of divest a little bit, but um, wholesale was still a big part of our business, 80% of the roastery. Uh, and, you know, pods were a big part for us when we launched them in 2016. We had all sorts of challenges with supply chain and everything. But it, again, it was the majority of our online. And I think like a lot of coffee companies, that basically reversed as soon as COVID hit. You know, I thought we were going to, the whole business was going to go down to, like go backwards two, three years. Uh, but actually it maintained the same kind of revenues in fact we're up from where we were last year um but of course that's because our e-commerce was up so much uh but i think what was interesting was the wholesale didn't go as low as we thought it would and it's actually come back reasonably strong and i think we're quite lucky that we work with a lot of neighborhood cafes uh cafes that are in the city or supply offices are really struggling so yeah i think um you know and then you know, how, how do I sort of tie it all together? Peak Water was on the side as this project, which to be honest with you was <laughs> like, you know, an amazing project, but also a daily thorn in my side, right? Like um, the Kickstarter was 2018. We're already like 18 months late. You know, people are angry. <laughs> and um, it was a weird twist of fate. I'm like, wow, this is 18 months delayed, which I never wanted, but launching this, in a lockdown, it's kind of a good thing. You know, suddenly loads of people want to make great coffee at home and, and Peak is going to help people do that. 
so that was a that was a positive um supply chain issues of course some of the parts like the mesh comes from china and stuff so there's delays on those and i've got the same problem with peak that i had with capsules originally whenever you do anything new and innovative that doesn't tap in fully to an existing supply chain i think you're always gonna have trouble growing the supply chain and the manufacturing but um peak is is has done very well and that's that's i think that's all based out of the roastery as well uh, and the shop reopened in June for takeaway only. I think the shop stories are interesting that all the people I am friends with who run shops said the same thing. It, it, it makes people realize how much more profitable takeaway coffee is <laughs> compared to sit down. You know, a few years ago, everyone was talking, in the UK, we had a proposal for a, a it was called a latte levy, which was a tax on takeaway coffee. Mm -hmm. And there was a big debate in the industry, like how do we reduce takeaway cups and, and I was like, the, big, the biggest problem is um, they're, they're too important to a business. Takeaway coffee is too important. If you just want to be sit down, you better double that price of a cup of coffee, you know. So um, we've actually reopened for seats two weeks ago because for us, Connor and Smalls is about that experience. And, um, you know, it, it's for us, it's, you know, it's the, it's kind of the center of the brand in quite a lot of ways. You know, I still pop in there every day. We still, you know, we, we, we try things through the shop, new ideas, new coffees, new things. Um, and we've reopened for seating and it is socially distanced and people are just excited that we're reopened, uh, that we've opened again. But yeah, it's probably 70% of where it was pre-COVID. So um, I think the interesting thing as well, right, is, you know, no, no one expects to be growing at the rate they were and everyone's ambitions have changed. So when I said at the beginning that I'm grateful, like that's with a realigned idea on what success looks like right now, right? You know, if I can keep buying great coffees, keep exploring the R&D projects and, and, you know, exploring value. Because I've always said my, my approach to coffee from a business point of view was never about identity. You know, you can go on these Amazon courses where someone will say, okay, pick a product, any product, I don't know, like... Um, uh, like something that hangs over a baby's cup to keep them quiet or uh, a belt or anything right and then they teach you how to sell it on amazon and if you were gonna if your only goal was to find a product to sell i think you'd probably pick some other products than coffee you know like uh, sure, yeah. you know I've, I've got an electric scooter now and that they are great online you know high spend um you know 600 or whatever they are, right? There's, diff there's different ranges. Um, they make a lot of like mattresses. A lot of these things make sense as econ businesses. Um, but uh, anyway, my point being is that all I've ever been interested in coffee is isolating value. And by value, I don't just mean money. I just mean, you know, where something has, is important to people and, and has quality. Like the water project, I never, we never started saying, well, you know, let's research water because if we can prove something about water, we can make a water jug. No, we just wanted to understand water better. Um, and so there's ne we've never had four or five year plans in that regard. And actually we've always been quite kind of short term in a way, like you've got an eye on making sure you're sustainable, but we're just exploring. So I think for people like me and our business, we've always been quite, you know, something like COVID, just a new problem and a new way to explore things. Um, so there's yeah i think did you ever see a film called um it's the Lars von trier film called melancholia no um it's basically a two-part film and in the first film 
there's the depressed, their sisters, and uh, one of them's, uh, you know, you know, functions in society, assimilates, gets on great, good career, family. The other one is, um, you know, struggles to, to get by in society. Um, I think has some mental health problems and, uh, you know, really struggles with the world. And then uh, there's a big comet or something coming towards the earth that destroys the earth, right? And it, when that happens, they, they, they flip roles. The, the one that uh, struggled in normal society suddenly is very adept at coping with that chaos. And then the other sister just loses it. So <laughs> I think it, it, it's interesting, right? You know, some people are drawn to sort of change and, and others don't like it. So you're seeing a bit of that in, in COVID as well. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a good, I mean, it's a, it's, what you say is very representative, at least on how I've been looking at you guys since the start, right? Because like peak water being one thing, capsule, something we've both gone through, like these are all quite um, challenging products, right? As in, it's not easy. It is quite frustrating, uh, but we're pushing and we're doing it. You guys are doing it because there, there's something else we're looking for, right? So to some degree, and I mean, let's let's underline that COVID-19, everyone would be happier if it wasn't here, of course, and it's been devastating for, for a lot of people personally in businesses. But as you say as well, as with a lot of things, and I feel that with April to some degree as well, where we were becoming a tiny bit stagnant in how we were doing things, right? So to some degree, it's also a wake-up call. Like there's an opportunity to see things from different perspectives. And I think, you know, we're, we're in this mess. So uh, the most positive thing we can do is to see that perspective or choose to see that perspective rather than kind of digging a larger hole, right? Um, and at least for me personally, it's been, yeah. No, no, I agree. And I think, but again, I think we're lucky we're in coffee where coffee can do that, right? There's other industries you'd be in where it doesn't matter how much perspective you've got or how good you are at pivoting, they're just dead. <laughs> like, like travel <laughs> or like, um, sure. you know, it, you know, even if you're really good at adapting and seeing things with fresh eyes, if you're in the aviation industry, you know, it's just, it's just done. So I think it's, coffee's interesting because it, it it's definitely been crushed by COVID. There's parts of coffee that are, you know, especially hospitality, restaurants, travel again, you know, coffee served a lot in travel. Um, but, but luckily coffee is this interesting product that can then go into people's homes um, and can be experienced in different ways, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And what would you like, overall, what I, what I take from with me here is that you guys have actually had a relatively okay slash positive experience going through this, right? Like you guys have been well-equipped because of a diverse business structure, um, flexible and also eager to, to just kind of see the opportunities in this process. But we also know that in this coffee industry, there's a lot of people, and I don't want to stray too much off topic here, but there's a lot of people that is not as diverse as Kelowna Coffee is, for example, right? Would you, do you have any kind of recommendations? Like people listen to this and they go like, yeah, I mean, I understand. I also need to be more diverse, but how do I do that? Like, do you have any just quick bullet points on um, how can people actually start becoming more diverse as a, as a coffee company? I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting question. Um, I wish it was, uh, I could give some nice short-term suggestions. I, I think you have to start baking that culture into the company and you know there's it's never too late to start um i think you know part of what you're doing it may look high risk right it may look like wow we're trying all these different things but at the at the back of everything i'm doing i'm, I'm trying to assess the risk so that every new project won't take everything else down does that make sense so you almost want to say like ring fencing a little bit 
and go, okay, we can trial this over here and that's going to use some resource. Um, but it's, but the risk isn't enough to ruin what we're doing over here. Cause that's always the danger of diversity, right? Is that everything just disrupts each other. Um, you know, it's a real hard type to walk. And if you can think of adding diversity to your company whilst using your existing strengths, that's the best way to do it. Right. Like tr trying to start like a, a separate company that doesn't benefit from what you already do just, just means you have to spread yourself really thin. You're starting from scratch again. And I think that people like, I mean, I get a feeling we're probably very similar in that we start something, realize it and, like, and then our brains are like, oh, what, what's this other thing over here? <laughs> and um, I think you have to be very careful uh, when you're doing that because it's so hard to start something from scratch really, really hard, right? And I think in COVID, the at-home e-com thing, you know, if you haven't built a brand uh, or, or, or an audience, it doesn't have to be a big audience either, you know, really, I, mean, I can't remember what's that saying, like, you only need a thousand, or maybe it's even like a hundred people who love your brand, that's all you need, right? Um, that's hard to go straight into e-com if you're not there. If you're, if you're all wholesale, if you're all B2B, um, going over to e-com, I think is too much of a, of a change. But let's say you did wholesale into cafes. Well, you know, deliveries to people uh, would, would, be, would be more within the remit of your existing strengths, right? Delivering to people in your local area to, to um, you know, working with those partners to saying, oh, okay, how can we get to your customers? You still make some money from the coffee. We still make some. And how can we get to those customers in their home, which isn't e-com, that's, you know, going through newsletters or, or other work forms of marketing. So yeah, I think with pivoting and diversity, don't stray too far because that will just cause you more problems. Just start experimenting, you know, moving a little bit further outside of your comfort zone each time. I think that, I think that's, yeah, it's, it's, it's some really solid points and that's a lot of that is what I'm have been, been trying to do with April as well, right? As in there's a, I think there's a need for diversity, but as you say, there's there's obvious challenge in it. And um, again, like the, the biggest, we, we had a similar thing launching the April Brewer, right? You know, you have uh, production issues, you have this and this, you know, and all of a sudden you realize that every new product needs to, again, be manageable within the realm of what you've already been doing, right? So um, if you do, if you focus on wholesale, your wholesale can't drop because you're trying to launch a new product here, right? So you need to have a team for that that can manage that. So it's a lot of infrastructure to consider, but um, I mean, I'm, I'm totally down. And it, it's, it's partnerships as well, right? Like so much of the diversity that you see in what we've done is about collaboration as well, right? It's realizing, for there's loads of expertise you need to do that thing. We can bring something valuable to the table here but there's loads we don't know and who can we partner with to, so we can all do it together, basically. Because uh, I think the exciting thing about COVID is I've seen an appetite for collaboration more than ever before. And there was a, there's been a discussion, I think, for the last two years about we see, especially in the UK, actually, we see quite a lot of consolidation in between brands, right? Where people go together and kind of try to strengthen these parts. And it's going to be interesting to see if we we have an increase of that through COVID and kind of after COVID as well, if we get to that point. But uh, to be mindful of your time, I want us to kind of tick off one last question before we leave here. And um, something I'm also super interested in, well, you know, what will the future hold, both for like Kelowna, but also like more specifically, you, you're a person with a very interesting perspective on the industry at large, right? 
Um, I mean, you are obviously are, are seem to be doing relatively okay in this whole process, right? But what, what do you see for 2021, 2022? Um, what, what, what's coming up? Yeah, good question. <laughs> Let me get my crystal ball out. Um, I, I, I generally just start with, um, with everything with um, some simple cause and effect. And I think, I think if it, this may sound negative, but I think there's a positive thing here. I think the industry is going to um, split a little. I think there was a big merging happening of mainstream and boutique specialty. And, you know, like mainstream was picking up some of the story of specialty. Specialty was um, exploring some more mainstream. And I think a few things are going to happen here. So I think uh, it, it looks like green coffee next year will be quite expensive <laughs> for the same quality. And I think that, for the wholesale market, well, it was already a squeeze, right? People were already going down low on price for roasted coffee. Now those cafes and restaurants are in a difficult place. They don't want to pay more for coffee. So I think you're going to have to, there's going to be a decision, right? And I think, you know, we've done it ourselves. We found ourselves quite quickly saying no to more things and saying, you know what, before maybe that was going to work, we just don't see that working. And we're going to double down on our values not like refine ourselves, but just go, yeah, this is what we stand for. What are our values? Um, and I think a lot of companies are going to do that. They're going to do some soul searching. They're going to say, you know, there's going to be a, it's going to take us, you know, three, we're going to be, be, you know, developing our business for three, five, 10 years, whatever. Like, what do we really want to do? And I think you're going to have, see that difference in companies. I think some companies are going to definitely, it's going to be a price thing, a convenience thing for sure. But I think the exciting bit for whether you call it specialty or boutique or whatever is um, I think at the top end, you have more exploration, more experimentation, more innovation. So, um, you know, they always say, don't they, more out of a crisis uh, comes, comes innovation. And I think I was speaking to other friends of mine who own coffee businesses. It's, it's a bit what you said about getting stagnant. I don't think you really get anyone, you know, what you're really doing is just trying to run your business. And that's the problem is that, the problem with business is, do you, have you heard that stat that um, most uh, entrepreneurs uh, do all of their interesting work in their 20s and then it just ends? <laughs> so um, uh, I hope my hasn't ended. But the, the um, yeah, but I was thinking about this and I was thinking, I don't think it's because you don't have any ideas anymore. I think it's because you have too many responsibilities, right? So you had an idea, you started a business and the business became a huge responsibility. And so you, you, you did less innovation, you did less exploration because you've got, you're, now you're responsible for growing a business, which is very different. It's not about having lots of ideas and starting things every week. It's about a slower build, right? Um, and so the other coffee companies I talked to are quite reinvigorated by going, oh, you know what, actually, let's just, let's just get back down to basics. What do we stand for? And let's, um, and let's explore things. So I think, I think some of the things will be accelerated. Some of the positive things, I think, you know, transparency, communication, innovation will improve. Um, I think you're going to see, I mean, the obvious ones, you know, I'm probably just repeating what other people say here. You know, there is, there is an at-home now that, I mean, I'm so excited by this because I, I started my cafe 11 years ago with my wife and everyone, I'm, I started it because everyone was going, no, 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 people aren't interested in coffee. And, you know, it's just most people, the odd coffee geek find. And I was like, I'm sure though, it's just an amazing drink. Like, why isn't it? Surely people find wine and bit, why aren't people excited by it, right? 
and even before COVID, you know, you saw a lot of people at home who were like, no, um, oh, yeah, I mean, I'm not really into it, but I like going to that cafe. And I think this goes back to one of your questions at the beginning. Yes, capsules have grown, but the biggest growth for us at home was beans, not capsules, right? And I think it's really simple. People were going to these cafes, they were, they were getting used to the quality, and suddenly they were like, oh, no, <laughs> what's going to happen now? How am I going to... And what happens is people all ask their friends. So everyone's got a friend in a group who's the coffee nerd or, you know, someone who works in coffee. And they're like, what should I buy? You know, should I buy from this company or what equipment should I buy? And uh, I think, you know, that's going to last. This at-home thing is going to last. Um, and I think, you know, let's see if another lockdown happens at the end of the year. I hope not. Uh, but... I think, you know, people being more interested in coffee and, and eager to learn about coffee, I think that's going to be a legacy, right? Because that's a really positive thing for the coffee industry that people don't just go to a cafe and go, oh, they know what they're doing. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, a bit like making the sourdough thing made me laugh because suddenly everyone makes sourdough in COVID, right? Mm. And I'm like, hang on a minute. Sourdough is loads of work. <laughs> it's like, if you can make sourdough, you can make good coffee. Like, yeah. And I think suddenly this thing that everyone's like, oh, coffee's a bath, coffee's really difficult. Suddenly that, they're like, no, no, this isn't that difficult to do at all. And actually this is a valuable thing. It's a really important part of my day. So even though I actually think COVID might reduce the search for convenience, I think people have got a bit more time. And I think coffee at home is booming and capsules are part of that. But I actually think it might help the, the, the proliferation of, you know, crafting a cup of coffee, yeah. No, definitely. And I think that's something we've seen actually internationally as well, that there's an interest, an increasing interest in quality. I think basically all over the world at the moment where people are moving away from um, probably as, as you choose to mention as well, like, like convenience is not the most important thing anymore because we're now in a rather inconvenient situation as it is. Right. Uh, and on top of that, spending a lot more time at home. Um, I think that's a great way, some great lessons and a great way to kind of wrap this up as well. Um, thank you for showcasing and sharing, especially then the, the importance of diversity here. Um, and also for, uh, you know, showing that companies actually can go through this uh, in a relatively positive stray as you guys basically have as well. That's very inspiring for me to hear personally as well. So thank you to Maxwell for, for spending time with us. I really appreciate it. Hey, Pat, it's a pleasure. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening. This project has been brought to you by April Media, which is an unfiltered view on the coffee industry powered by our Patreon supporters. Uh, we will love it if you share these episodes, subscribe to our channels, and if you want to be a part of building this, please join our Patreon. Thank you again.